Let's talk about a couple of things today on the podcast. We're going to do a review of this terrible third Democratic debate, which is pretty obvious that I was going to talk about that one, and Twitter philanthropy. I'm not going to let it go. So many people say, let it go, let it go, let it go. This is not Frozen. This is the No Things Considered podcast. My name is Tim Young. I work at a couple of different places. You've probably seen me, though, on Twitter at Tim Runs His Mouth. Also, you can check out a lot of my cool stuff at Fox 5 DC. I'm a contributor there. I do a segment there called Take Tim to Work Day. The latest one came out this week. It is me going to 1-8 Distilling. It's a distillery in Washington, DC. I had a lot of fun there going behind the scenes, screwing around with everybody, and just doing some good, helping promote some good local businesses and good local people. So if you want to go see that, something positive in the world, go check out Take Tim to Work at Fox 5 DC. And also, I fill in at SiriusXM. You can see some of my writing at Washington Times. I'm all over the place right now. It's kind of crazy. And our podcast, depending on where you're listening to it, could be radio.com, could be iTunes, could be Spotify, could be iHeartRadio. We are all over the place with no things considered. So let's start. Let's start by talking about this debate. And if there was one winner of the debate, it was very simply Donald Trump again winning this debate. I thought whoever would shut up during the debate would win. Like if you just keep your mouth shut, you would win this debate because it was just to say it's a clown show is an understatement at this point. These these guys show over and over again, and I know a lot of the listeners here and a lot of the listeners when I talk on SiriusXM disagree with me when I say this, but Hillary Clinton had something to her. You may not like anything she has to say. You may not like who she was as a person or any of her policy, but when she showed up at things, you felt like Hillary Clinton was something. And for the third technically fifth time because there's been, you know, two nights the last two times of these debates. It felt like these candidates were nothing burgers and boring. So let's go through them one by one. Julian Castro. Of course, Julian Castro's brother, Joaquin, was the one who tried to dox Trump supporters, backfired on him because, uh, you know, when they outed all these businesses like the barbecue place, the barbecue place in Houston uh, got an explosion of new customers. Helped him out. They, he thought he was going to bring all of these Trump supporters to their knees. Talk about how dare you support Donald Trump and racism. And so they, they doxed him, they put out all these names, and it turned out it backfired on them, and people showed up to the businesses more than ever. So there's uh, Julian Castro on the corner of the stage. I don't even know why he's there. He made some comment about Joe Biden being old, and that's probably the only memorable thing of the entire debate, was his comment about Joe Biden being old. Everyone in the crowd went, oh, how dare you call Joe Biden old, even though he's a bumbling old man at this point. And that was the big mark for him during the, thing, during the whole thing. But I, I don't even know, like, I don't even know why he's there. I don't get the point of it. I don't get the point of him other than bathroom breaks and Amy Klobuchar other than bathroom breaks. I, when she talks, at least she's not pathetic when she talks because there's a pathetic one on the stage right now. But Amy Klobuchar is such a, I, I've referred to all of the candidates as a pile of laundry this time around. They're just so boring. It's like the pile of laundry in the corner and you're not sure if it needs to be washed or it's clean and you left it there for a couple of months, but it needs to be folded at some point. That is what Amy Klobuchar is at this point. She's the extra pile of laundry. And you're like, ah, just why, how is this even happening? How are you a thing? She was the bathroom break. So I felt like she would actually give like three minute responses. That's exactly why the DNC has her there is that she could give three minute responses. So, so the older men could uh, change their depends during the whole thing. I'm probably going to, by the way, I, I bet I forget at least one of the candidates because they are so not even noteworthy. We'll get to Beto in a second because Beto's big thing. Well, let's just start with Beto. Beto, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke, who talks about racism as if he doesn't culturally appropriate a 
Hispanic sounding nickname to just try to cheaply get Hispanic and minority votes. The guy is a, he's, that is the clowniest thing of the entire, clowniest, most hypocritical thing of all of the candidates is Beto, I'm going to call him Beto, so it's Robert Francis using this Hispanic name Beto to try to get ahead for himself. And it was literally given to him by his dad, this nickname, in order for him to use it politically later in life. It is his choice to use this nickname that was given to him literally in interviews by NBC News has con- confirmed this. So it's not a, a right-wing biased site saying this, but is NBC News saying that this was given to him by his dad in particular to let him take advantage of Hispanic communities and pander, culturally appropriate and pander to get votes? If that was a Republican, they'd lose their minds. But that's okay because he's a Democrat. He says he's going to come take everybody's guns. Yeah, all right, so what? Stupid. Same thing over and over again. This guy, let me tell you, there's nothing sadder than starting your campaign again, relaunching your campaign again based off of a mass shooting. And that's what he did with that El Paso shooting. And it's disgusting to me and it should be disgusting to you. That's all I've got to say about that guy. Then you got Cory Booker, who is the saddest of all the candidates because he tries so hard. That fella tries so incredibly hard. And it is a swing and a miss every time he talks. Ever since I am Spartacus. Like he's passionate, but like he just doesn't get it. And he just doesn't have it. And it's like, I, I, sadly, I want to like the guy. He seems like he's a nice guy. He made some comment, I think, he some, made some sassy comment about how uh, Justin Trudeau doesn't have fancy hair or he spends too much time on his hair or something stupid last night. That was like his big hit. But overall, he was just a nothing burger, too. It was just so boring. Completely boring. Complete waste of time. Oh, Andrew Yang. Let's talk about Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang promising that he's going to give everybody, give 10 people $1,000 until the end of the race or something like that. He's like, he's going to do something different. He's going to rewrite how presidential campaigns should be run. He's going to run his campaigns basically like Twitter philanthropy. If you follow him and you retweet him, you got a chance to win $1,000. So make sure that you cry in the videos that you post for him. We're going to get to Twitter philanthropy in a bit because that stuff has pissed me off. We're going to talk about that in a second. And by a second, I mean like five minutes or so. Let's go to the other people on stage, though. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, again, you know, I, I hate to say it. I think she's going to end up being the, the nominee. And she, number one, historically, when you see two people standing on stage uh, when they debate each other, the taller people or the uh, victors, like just psychologically, she's going to need like a two-foot box to stand next to Trump and look like she's the same height as this guy. But it's just over and over again I hear number one she sounds like she's going to cry every time she talks she doesn't say anything significant she says she's going to go after corporate America she's been sponsored by corporate America in the past she says she's accomplished a lot of stuff she has not accomplished a lot of things she's done basically nothing in the Senate she beat Scott Brown to win her Senate seat Scott Brown was like the most vulnerable Republican ever he should have never won his seat in Massachusetts to begin with but her beating him is nothing significant she really hasn't accomplished anything so I don't know what she's going to run on. She sounds like she's going to cry the entire time, and she's very tiny. So her in a debate against Trump is just going to look like a thumping. Just actually, just observing it is going to look like a thumping. Maybe she can try to play the victim. But this whole Pocahontas thing, this whole fact that she built her career and, and got herself ahead by culturally appropriating lying about her heritage is mind-blowing to me that she's still in this race. Other people that it's mind-blowing that they are still in the race is Kamala Harris, who during the entire debate, and I don't know if you watched this or not, I watched it so you didn't have to, she became the most insufferable human being on the face of planet Earth. 
she, number one, for the first couple of times she spoke, didn't speak to any of the other candidates on the stage. She spoke to Donald Trump. She seemed like she was above it. She seemed like she didn't want to be there. And then she was laughing at Bernie Sanders. Uh, yes, we can. And, and Obama's old slogans, everything you can think of, nobody was laughing with her. She just seemed like she was insane, like she was part of the, the Joker uh, the Joker trailer, like that prequel that's coming out of the Joker that's creepy. She just didn't seem like she thought she was equal with these other candidates, and she thought she was above it, and it was obnoxious. She came off as obnoxious and completely unlikable. I I can't say that about any other person on stage. They might be nothing burgers. They may be a pile of laundry, but they are not unlikable. She came out as specifically unlikable. And every time I hear her talk about criminal justice, it just blows my mind as she was a person who, as state's attorney for uh, for California— locked people up for minor drug crimes, crimes that she committed later on, smoking weed, and laughed about. She kept people in jail for too long so that she could use them for cheap labor for the state of California. She did everything that you would not want to represent a minority community against a minority community, and she's proud of it. I, I don't understand how she's a viable candidate. I don't think she is anymore after last night's debate. She really was a clown show of the entire thing. She was the most obnoxious, arrogant person on that stage, and I don't think she makes it much further. I mean, she might hang around for a bit, but it's, it's not going anywhere. Then you have Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, of all of the things that happened last night, Bernie Sanders, he was given the question by Jorge Ramos what the difference is between Venezuelan socialism is and American democratic socialism. And the real answer is it's democratic until they get power, and then it turns into Venezuelan when you need uh, weapons to be able to defend yourself against a dictatorship. But that's not how he's going to answer it. He dodged that entire question. And, of course, Jorge Ramos knows about Venezuelan socialism because Donald Trump got him out of there when he was arrested. Remember, he was detained by the Venezuelan leader for a bit when he went down and questioned him. Don't want to talk about that. Donald Trump actually did something good for the media. Remember, Donald Trump is supposed to be against the media, but in this case with Jorge Ramos, he helped out the free press. Crazy how that works, right? Bernie Sanders dodged that question. All Democrats dodged that question. Democratic socialism is different. No, it's not. Socialism is socialism. It always fails. It's failed in every instance that it's been used in America, uh, in America, in the world. When they talk about Norwegian countries, when they talk about Sweden and things that have been socialist, they've walked back those policies. When you talk about healthcare and everything else, all of these state-run things, they slowly walked them back. They went full socialist, and then they walked it back when they realized it didn't work. But you never hear that from people when they talk about those things. And that is something that is critical to this conversation. They walked back the policies that were there. So you have uh, Bernie answering those questions. Then you've got Pete Buttigieg, who is, I just, I didn't feel like he was there. I'll, I'll give him credit, though. This time he waited the entire debate to mentioned that he was gay. It took him the entire time. He waited till his closing statement to mention that he was gay, as if we had all forgotten that he was gay. That's his one gimmick. And he waited till the very end. So God bless him for waiting till the very end for that. He seems like a very nice guy as well. Just his policies are nothing that I would ever support. And I give him credit that he waited the entire time this time instead of leading out the gate with it. And he actually talked about being a veteran as well. He is a veteran. The guy served the country. I believe he might be the only person on the stage uh, during that debate and Tulsi Gabbard wasn't there, but that served the country in the military. And then we go to Joe Biden, who Joe Biden, Donald Trump said he lost his fastball. He's lost his fastball. He has. He, he just, he slurred a lot. He wasn't there. 
he really looked like he was waiting for moderators to cut him off over and over again. He was he was the one candidate who it just seemed over and over again just was hoping that moderators would cut him off, and he was just filling time with words. He really didn't seem like he was saying anything. The best way to listen to Joe Biden speak, and I'll be very honest with you, is if you play the police academy theme behind him when he speaks and you view him as Commandant Blazar. So you watch him speak to that, and you're like, oh, this makes total sense now. He's He's not quite all together, and so that's how you should hear him. But he is clearly too old. He has aged poorly. I know he's been through a lot with his son and a lot of tragedy over the past few years, but this guy should not be running for president. It's not that he's out of touch. It is, though, that four years ago, Donald, Trump, his, Donald Trump's election was a referendum on Obama and his uh, presidency, a vice presidency. It said America didn't want it. So he shouldn't really be there. But if we need to have another referendum on it, it's not going to end well for them. Additionally, he went with the lie last night. I couldn't believe he went with this lie that he didn't lock kids in cages. He's against locking kids in cages. He said he wasn't part of locking kids in cages. He and Barack Obama, it was that administration that built the cages that locked the kids in it. So when I hear that over and over again, I'm like, this is complete BS. How are people still buying this? That is a proven fact. A lot of the pictures that journalists were using to try to manipulate the situation with kids in cages were pictures of kids in cages in 2014 under Obama, under Biden. And again and again, they skirt this question over and over and over again. I don't understand how this is allowed to go. I don't get, those are the three candidacies I don't understand. I don't understand Biden, how he's there, how he's able to completely lie, other than they say he's the most electable of the group, which is true. But what's what's electable compared to a bunch of other complete losers and people who have no gravitas on stage and are just kind of like, meh. I feel like most normal people could show up on stage and be a valuable candidate with this pile of, of, of candidates that are there. He shouldn't be there. You've got Elizabeth Warren, who falsely claimed Native American heritage to get ahead. She shouldn't be there. And Kamala Harris, who locked up minorities for minor crimes and kept them in jail for far too long. She shouldn't be there. If the Democrats weren't hypocrites on their own policies and their own social justice warriors and their own wokeness, those three wouldn't be there. But they are. But they are, and they shouldn't be. They should find an authentic candidate that could run. I'll be honest with you. I don't agree with half the things he says, but Andrew Young is at least authentic. Other than the other day when he tried to, at the debate, when he said he's going to hand out $1,000 a month to a bunch of people. And we're going to get to that in a second. Twitter philanthropy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get enough of it. I just don't understand how these people are viable. I don't understand how Beto is viable. I don't understand how, could you imagine if a, a Republican tried to launch their campaign on the backs of a mass shooting, what the outrage would be? Because that's exactly what Beto did. And for some reason, for some reason, nobody seems to like notice that he capitalized that on that on purpose. There, I'll name him as a, a fourth candidate that should not be there. And then you're left with just really no one. The Democrats don't have anyone that could run for president right now. And that's why I say over and over again that if I'm a betting man, for some reason, I'm keeping one chip on Hillary Clinton. If I've got a couple of chips on the table... I got one chip on Hillary Clinton still as the nominee. I don't know what it is, but my chip is on Hillary Clinton still. Maybe a broker convention. Maybe something happens at the end. Maybe Joe Biden can't continue because of health and they have to find a last-minute replacement. But my chip is on Hillary Clinton still. I've got a couple around the board. I mean, of course, I'm going to bet on uh, both Warren and Biden. I've shifted my chips off of Kamala Harris. She's done. 
but there's still that one on Hillary Clinton. We'll find out. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, the pile of just boring laundry on stage, Donald Trump still wins. I don't care what the polls say. Here's how polls work, by the way, because I keep hearing there's going to be a recession that ends the world. And this story, by the way, the recession stuff ends the same way that Russian collusion ends, ended. Uh, that it didn't happen and that it's not going to happen. News organizations have been pushing recession since the couple of hundred point loss the day that Donald Trump tweeted about uh, negotiation, negotiations with China. And when that negotiation happened, we lost a couple percentage total in the Dow, and everyone claimed that there was going to be this massive recession. So this, they've been running with the story for three weeks. Let's just say CNN. CNN runs with the story for three weeks. They did. Then they take a poll of people. Phone rings. Ring, ring. Hi, this is CNN. We'd like a poll. Who's going to hang up on that poll? People who support Trump, people who think the economy is doing well. They don't want to talk to CNN. Who, who wants to talk to CNN? People who watch CNN, people who lean left, right? So the Trump people all hang up. And these are how all these polls go. And the CNN people ask, hey, do you think there's going to be a recession? Do you think the economy is doing poorly? And the people who have watched CNN for three weeks, who have seen nothing but gloom and doom that the recession's coming, answer, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that should be like 100% that they answer. But no, it's just six in 10. Six in 10 people on a CNN poll say that they think the recession is definitely happening. And those are people who watch CNN and who would talk to CNN. So think about that. They can't even convince more than 60% of the people who they poll, who are clearly consumers of their media, that this is happening. That's what I want you to pay attention to. So when you see these polls come out, ring, ring, this is the Washington Post, ring, ring, this is ABC News. Who's hanging up on them? Trump supporters, people in the middle of the country that don't want to talk to them, and people who know better and don't want to be trapped by these polls. And that's why Donald Trump is trailing in all the polls. That's why he trailed in all of the polls in 2016. When you have media organizations like CNN who have showed up to random people's houses in the past and accused them of like Russian things and whatever else for sharing memes, why would you want to talk to one of these organizations and be outed by one of these organizations? So when you see polls, just know, and I believe this, people are hanging up on them. And I'd love to see the stats on that, but I highly doubt we'll ever see them. I don't buy the polls. They were inaccurate in 2016. They're inaccurate here. I think Donald Trump comes real close, if not winning the popular vote, because these Democrats aren't charismatic. Democrat Party in general is angry, and it's causing apathy with a lot of Democrats that don't live in the bubbles of New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, maybe Denver. I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump went in 2020, and it's because of the Democrats losing this. He might be beatable. If they would have started with an actual reasonable campaign two years ago and saying that instead of saying that everything is literally Hitler. So there's that. But I want to talk about the Andrew Yang thing about giving out money, $1,000 a week, because something has been bothering me on Twitter. It's been bothering me for a while. And it's this whole concept of the hashtag Twitter philanthropy. It bothers me because I follow Matthew 6, which talks a lot about when you do charity, you don't brag about it. It's something that is very looked down on, number one. So I do good work for people. I will not talk about it. In an earlier podcast, I talked about what I did in Baltimore. I got very emotional about it because I don't like talking about what I do to help other people out. That's not why I do it. There's one person in particular, but then there's a lot of other people who are doing this quote-unquote charitable stuff in order to grow a Twitter audience. One in particular is growing a Twitter audience based off of it. It is cheap internet marketing. It is nothing more than that. It is marketing based off of fake giveaways. And, and granted, we don't know if those people actually get something, 
But either way, the amount of attention, free press, and followers that this person is getting based on the giveaways that they have is, it shows that it is a profitable business to do giveaways. It is an old school tactic. I worked in digital marketing for many years. It is a very simple tactic. It is a lottery for things. And, and what really bothers me about Twitter philanthropy isn't the giveaways. Look, I'm sure the giveaways are great. Whatever. You get a couple hundred bucks if it's real. It's the fact that people are sharing their life stories on this Twitter philanthropy hashtag and begging for money and crying in videos and talking about terrible affectations that they have and, and terrible situations they've been through, begging, begging for money. They've been given false hope to participate in essentially a lottery to help build someone's social media up and make them famous for the chance to win money to get them out of a terrible situation. And they're willing to basically prostrate themselves at the throne of this social media account for that. And that should bother everyone inside. That should bother you morally. It should shake you. It should really have a problem. But the people who don't have a problem with it, and I'm going to be very honest with this, are people who think that they can win something out of it. People who are feeling like they're a part of some sort of a community that helps people out without even any true evidence that this is happening. I know in one instance there was a claim that uh, this person was going to pay for the, I, there was a kid who uh, was making sandwiches with his savings to uh, give to uh, people who dealt with the hurricane and he wanted to go to Disney and he used his savings for Disney and this person claimed that they paid for their Disney trip they did not Disney did and Disney had an article on Disney's website about that that is a blatant lie that was never covered for and I invited this person on my radio show uh, when I was when I was hosting for Sirius, not my radio show, I was filling in to come on open line. You can call in any time you want and answer some questions about it. And they did not. And they don't answer questions about it. They block people who question them. And then they said that they're cons they're consulting their legal team to go after people who smear them. Let me tell you something very, very important here. Slander and libel law. Number one, you had the Covington kid. Let me just give you an example, and I, I will pull out my law degree in a second here. But the Covington kid when he was accused of being a racist and news organizations tried to ruin his life, that case was thrown out. They made up a false story about this kid. They tried to ruin his life. Commentators tried to ruin his life, and all of those cases were thrown out. So if that didn't work, a lawsuit about someone's opinion of someone who's holding themselves out to be famous is not going to work. If you're holding yourself out to be famous in a public figure, you need to be able to handle criticism, maybe put your big boy pants on, Maybe don't, be a, uh, maybe don't participate in activities that make you appear like you're a scammer. Maybe don't lie. Maybe don't present false information. But you cannot go after someone for their opinion of you, especially if you hold out uh, yourself as a public figure and you want to get famous. And that's what the problem is here. Why would a billionaire, let me be very clear here, why would a billionaire need to have follows and retweets in order to be philanthropic and give things away. Why would anyone need that? It's because they're using you. You are the product and you are becoming something that can be sellable down the line. That's, the, that's what's happening here. And I want you to pay very, very close attention to it. Why would anyone need to sue someone on this? Why would he care to sue someone on this? He's gaining over and over and over again. And someone's opinion you can't sue over an opinion, especially as a public figure. You cannot. You have no grounds for a lawsuit against opinions against you. 
People can call you any name you want. Trust me with my law degree. Save your time talking to your legal team. Listen to my podcast. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of watching people cry and, and talk about their terrible affectations, begging for money in videos, begging for money. It's sad. And I don't want to see Americans go through this. And I can't believe that someone's building a social media network based off of this. This happened on YouTube just a few years ago. There was a group of people who were pretending uh, that they were doing it all for charity. They were giving money out to homeless people and giving big tips to waitresses and filming it and watching them cry and monetizing that through uh, likes and views. And they had monetized their videos and it was turning into a profitable organization and YouTube ended up shutting it down because they caught on to what they were doing because it was fake. And I don't think this is any different. And that's my opinion. And you know what? You can't sue someone for their opinion. And if you're watching all these other people, I have a very, very good feeling, in my opinion, that all of these people who are doing the same thing that are right-wing influencers have been either given that money or are being paid. And that is my opinion. And if you'd like to sue me for my opinion, I welcome it. Because you can't. And no court in the United States of America would uphold a lawsuit on slander and libel based off of someone's opinion of a public figure. It just doesn't happen. That's not how America works. And I question why any philanthropist would want to sue someone based off of that. That's what I've got. There's your hashtag Twitter philanthropy today. So I wanted to talk about those two things, guys. It was the debate. I wanted to break down those terrible candidates and Twitter philanthropy. Just be careful out there. Just be careful. And don't say I didn't tell you so. That's it for No Things Considered today. If you guys like the show... Share it with your friends, uh, retweet it, listen to it again, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. And you can follow me at Tim Runs His Mouth and all of my other social media stuff. And especially check out my stuff at Fox 5 in DC, Sirius XM when I get to fill in for them. Sometimes I get to write things for the Washington Times. I get to do lots of cool stuff. And it's because of people like you. And guess what? You don't have to follow and retweet me to get this for free. Amazing how that works. Thank you guys. And you know what? Be good to one another this week. Yeah, I'm going to task you with something. If you have a chance to make somebody feel good, if you have a chance to give them something that can help them out legitimately, do it. But don't brag about it. Do it. Don't tell me about it. Don't tell your friends about it. Don't tell anybody about it. Just be good to somebody this week. One person. More if you want. But don't tell anybody about it. Just be a good human being. That's all we've got for No Things Considered. Really, when I, I call the show No Things Considered, but it seems like we're considering a lot. Anyway, you can check out the show on radio.com iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. I want to thank you guys for listening, and I'll check you out next time.